Talk Radio 77. WABC. Over the course of human history, there's been Noah's Ark, savior of mankind. St. Francis of Assisi's, foregoing his wealth to be savior of all animals. And Curtis Sliwa, guardian angel and savior of New York City, protecting both man and beast. The Curtis Sliwa Show presents... Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. From bipeds to quadrupeds and everything in between. Now, with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa. As we continue on the Animal Welfare Hour, uh, Nancy, I know that the first rains are falling. Uh, We just heard the weather report. It's uh, expected to be brutal out there. Heavy rains, heavy winds. Uh, what should people do with, in the waiting hours before it hits hard to try to make life uh, a more, uh, much easier for those uh, uh, those animals who are living outdoors near them? Uh, well, yeah, obviously, like, curiously to the point, it's like it is like Noah's Ark tonight in New York City because the rain is... Uh, you know, it's been falling all day, but it's now starting its second sort of rush of, you know, pretty heavy rain downpours. So, I mean, obviously, if you have an opportunity to, you know, at this point, put anything out that could be, you know, covering or maybe like open up a garage door, you know, something like very quickly where you can, you know, uh, give some relief to, uh, you know, any animals that are outdoor right now in the rain. But, um yeah, I would just say anything you have open, leave it open and give them an option. Oh, absolutely, because uh, if the forecast is correct, the heavy winds and the driving rains uh, are just going to impede upon those animals who are looking for any kind of cover out there in uh, the wilds. But with that being said, it seems that Australia is on the warpath again against cats, Uh, I remind you that it was a while back that the country perceived that it had a problem in the outback. And people need to understand that the the size of Australia as a continent is the size of the United States. So if you were to travel from uh, their east coast, Sydney, uh, to Perth on the west coast, it would be the equivalent of traveling from New York City to Los Angeles. There's a lot of area in between. It's referred to as the outback. And they made a decision. This was back uh, during the period of time of the lockdown and pandemic to kill all the feral cats. Kill them all. And what was the result uh, of that idiocy? Well, uh, unfortunately, because the cats were removed from the environment and they had uh, you know, been more or less like uh, munching on all of the rodents. Uh, you know, they just be uh, started to get overridden with rodents, and that became a problem. So then they had to secondarily try to put down rodenticide to get rid of them. That's interesting because uh, uh, I showed this to the, you the other night, that back in the 1200 era, a new pope had come uh, into uh, power at the Vatican, the oldest pope ever, Pope Gregory. And his ver- very first order to Roman Catholics in Europe was to kill all the black cats. He felt that they were satanic. 
that they were evil, that it was actually uh, uh, interfering with people's ability to come closer to God. And actually, the followers all went out there. They killed all the black cats. And it led to the infestation of fleas that left the rats that ended up biting the people that caused the black plague, the bubonic plague, and millions of people died. You would think these people would learn from history. Yeah, I mean, I like I can understand perhaps why that was uh, surmised uh, previously because there wasn't a lot of scientific information out there. But now that it's available, obviously, any any time that a plan of action is to uh, do a mass extermination of any sort of animal, it's, it usually is completely ridiculous beyond the fact that it's cruel because as long as there's two left remaining, it'll never solve the problem. So it, it's never going at it the right way, and it's the worst way to try to really approach a problem in a logical way. Well, now the latest is a study that's been put out uh, in Australia. What conclusion does it come to in terms of humans' uh, involvements with cats? Well, I, I think like sort of uh, jumping on, for whatever reason, they're trying to demonize cats in Australia. So this was, now this is a, a curious example because this is part of the, you know, testing that goes on or, you know, research that happens. Now, this wasn't even direct research that was done. This was actually going through um, you know, uh, research that had been done through the past like 30 or 40 years and trying to find connections between uh, studies that were done on schizophrenia and any uh, close connection to cat ownership. So it wasn't just that if you owned a cat, if you were exposed to a cat, if you saw a cat, and all, you know, so all of a sudden it's trying to make a connection, but very logistically <laughs> this study doesn't uh, really show anything except for the fact that, you know, they, they were using some sort of a metadata to try to link these two things together. But I think it probably goes back to Australia just, you know, trying to make this connection as to why they're doing what they're doing with the cats. It's, it's a little bit odd. It doesn't make a lot of sense. It, it almost says if you, you pet a cat any time until you were like 25 years old and later on developed schizophrenia, that's the reason why. So there's now, really no logic to this. Exactly. Now, they, they must really hate cats there because <laughs> schizophrenia is a serious health impairment. It causes many people not only to lose their minds, but to end up being homeless, destitute, out living in the streets and subways. I run across schizophrenics all the time. And then to suggest that by feeding cats at an early age or even petting cats, that you could develop traits of schizophrenia. How crazy is that? Yeah, I mean, and, and clearly it, it jumps on a little bit of the uh, fear, fright, and hysteria, as you mention all the time about trying to alert people to, well, how do you interact potentially with outdoor cats? Like, you don't want to create a fear of outdoor animals in any way. And sadly, this study really isn't pointing to anything significant because there's no real connection. But they're saying there are some people who happen to have had cats who have schizophrenia. <laughs> so, you know, at best, it's just, it's possible. But yeah, I wouldn't put a lot of weight on it. So certainly don't don't have that affect your adoption decisions going forward, please. Our numbers, 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. This is the Animal Welfare Hour. Soon uh, in the new year, 
It will be nationally syndicated across the nation by our parent company, Red Apple Media. Uh, it is the desire of uh, John and Margot Katsimatidis and the president of Red Apple Media to do so, Chad Lopez. And it's based on all of you folks who have been listening every Sunday night to the hour edition. And if you can't hear it live and local, you get it on the podcast edition. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And I noticed that there are a whole bunch of people who are on 86th and Columbus gathering. Now, we're used to seeing people down there, 86th, uh, between Broadway and Amsterdam, not far from where we live Outside of that uh, huge apartment building where Celine Dion and those two other actors are filming that uh, Hulu uh, uh, special. What well, What is the name of that again? Um, only Murders in the Building. Right. And so people, they, they're out there. You know, they're waiting to uh, see, see anybody going in and out who may be part of that production. But I noticed there's a whole new group of groupies on the corner of 86 in Columbus with binoculars, with those safari hats, you know, bird watchers going whoop-a-woo because the most, the most famous owl in the whole world has now been spotted blocks away from where we live on the corner of Columbus in 86, and that is Flacco. Give us the update on clearly the most popular animal in the world right now who has more followers than anyone else. Yeah, so so to your point, uh, Flacco has a very consistent following, and everyone knows Flacco's whereabouts. So this was back in February, uh, initially, that Flacco had escaped because uh, the enclosure had been opened up. So now it seemed like, you know, the first few months, maybe because of, you know, sort of being unfamiliar with the area, Flacco stayed within the Central Park zone, and then slowly migrated south to the Lower East Side, where, you know, the the idea is potentially it was looking for a mate. It didn't find any mates. So it came back to the park area. But now that I think, you know, Flacco has been out long enough and Flacco realizes there's a comfortability level, um, you know, he's not being contained by the park anymore. So he's been venturing uh, the Upper West Side and, you know, like toward Riverside Park between uh, 86th Street. So he's been there, you know, for a while. And there's a couple buildings that, you know, he seems to be perching on. So it's no longer just confined to the parks and the trees. It's that the perching is more of like the man-made structure. So like air conditioners and uh, window ledges, fire escapes, things like that. But um, I think the biggest concern now, now obviously, you know, Flacco has a huge social media following, so you can see, like, every movement Flacco makes, but, you know, like, understandably, I think maybe some of the concern is now that Flacco's getting a little bit more comfortable about roaming about New York City and not being contained to the park so much that potentially he might get into some, like, secondary, like, rod- rodenticides, um, you know, things that are avoided a little bit more in, like, the park area. So, you know, obviously the eyes on, you know, keeping Flacco safe. So, you know, we'll, we'll keep everyone updated. And just as a side note, to those people who are trying to prevent the street pigeons from perching on their uh, uh, their balconies or their window ledges or anything like that, is uh, use plastic owls if you really want to keep the pigeons away. 
don't put up the spikes. Uh, we live on a block in which some people have posted up the plastic owls. Uh, it causes no problems to anyone. But there are others who have decided to put up spikes uh, in what they think psychologically chases the pigeons away. It doesn't. If anything, it impales the pigeons and they, they die a horrible death. So if you decide that you want to make your building pigeon free, okay, I, I get it. Put up the plastic owls that some people do and don't put up those spikes because you're just torturing these pigeons and causing them to have a, 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 a death in which they suffer for a long time. Now, on that note of uh, owls, I noticed in the Northwest, uh, they have decided to cull owls. How many are they killing? Well, 500,000. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> 500,000 owls they're killing? Yeah, so sadly, this is part of a 30-year plan uh, on the the West Coast, uh, you know, related to a priority, prioritizing, as far as I can tell, one owl uh, sort of breed or species over the other. So it's 500,000 uh, barred owls that are going to be euthanized, and that's for the purpose of um, protecting what is uh, been designated, um, you know, like an endangered species, which is the spotted owl. Now, you know, so, I, so again, I, I was looking into wh- why specifically they're trying to target this. Now, apparently the uh, barred owl is a little bit of a bully. It, you know, grows a little bigger, ha- has a little bit more like little owls, will eat anything, so, you know, and doesn't need the same amount of space that the other owl needs because the other owl needs a lot of uh, vegetation. So, you know, but I started looking into what was the distinction here. Now, sadly, the, you know, they're, they're targeting this other owl because it's like a primary, you know, really strong owl. But the problem is the owl they're trying to protect, the spotted owl, 95% of its environment has been taken away in the past um, decade uh, past few decades because of the fact that, you know, the logging and all of the, that, like the environment has been taken away from it. So because it has so little environment left, it's now competing with basically the stronger owls. And so as a result, the, the stronger owl is being taken out. So sadly, this is really a problem with loss of habitat, loss of environment. It really has nothing to do with the, you know, the species themselves, or or it's just the losing environment, which is constantly something that's happening with a lot of animals across the board they they're losing environment so unfortunately this one owl is being taken out there's a 30-year plan obviously that means there's time to stop it so you know i hopefully it does get stopped our number is 1-800-848-9222 let's go to kenny calling from indiana your turn to be heard here at wabc kenny hi poland classifies cats uh, that's Steve from Manhattan. Nice try, Steve. Let's go to Giuseppe Joe in Queens. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, yeah. Joe. Yeah, hi. Yeah, before I get to my question, a good movie uh, with about elephants filmed in Sri Lanka was Elephant Walk uh, with uh, Elizabeth uh, Taylor, you know, that uh, beautiful woman from way back when. 
that was very good. And also the Impala, which is uh, an, kind of an antelope, was also used in advertising for cars. I think there was a Chevy Impala. But uh, my question is about the rats in the subways. Now, I, while waiting for the subway, I've seen them. They're pretty big. I just want uh, your take on that, guys. What, what's, what's your thoughts on these rats? I mean, I, I, seeing is believing. I've seen it. Yeah, no, no, Joe, I'm the rat expert here. I had volunteered to become the rat czar for the city of New York and no pay because uh, they are nocturnal and uh, I'm nocturnal. And uh, rats have the perfect opportunity to thrive in the subways. You may have seen from time to time they put up these warning signs with the skull and the crossbone because they put out poisons to kill the rats. And the rats scurry away. There's a lot of trash that's thrown down into the tracks, so they have uh, edible food. Uh, We've had the famous pizza rat who uh, grabbed a slice of pizza and took it up the steps. Uh, There is other food that is left out there. I, I, for the life of me, can't understand this, Joe. Uh, There are certain stations in the city where they have removed the trash cans in which they've said, oh, the strap hangers, the passengers, they'll they'll just carry their, their garbage topside and they'll end up depositing their garbage in a garbage can on the street. And naturally, people just throw it down uh, on the tracks and throw it down on the platform. And it just attracts more and more rats. So you're never going to eliminate the rats, Joe. Best you could hope for is to have detente in which you keep the numbers down to a manageable level. But, Nancy, all these so-called rat experts who think that they have the answer and the solution to eliminating rats... Uh, they they basically they're selling uh, a false bill of goods. Rats will be around. It's basically managing the population and making sure they don't come out during the day. I mean, yeah, and again, to to the point of the the subway rats, uh, they are you know supposed to live underground, and that's why every time there's you know some sort of development or you know some sort of renovation being done and the ground is broken. Usually that's why the rats appear, because you're sort of breaking that surface. So theoretically, they should be underground. So in the subway, technically, they do make sense, as long as they're not coming topside to the street level. I mean, I don't know if there's any um, predator that exists in the subway for them, but to your point, right, there's a lot of litter that exists in the subway tracks, and since they're not sweeping it up, I guess the rats are a good alternative. No, they're not. In fact, they have special trains now, vacuum trains, I rarely if ever see them out there. The MTA money-taking agency is a complete disaster in terms of providing day-to-day sanitation service and maintenance. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. WABC. The Curtis Sliwa Show presents Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. Now with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa. Programming note, uh, in the new year, this program will be nationally syndicated by our parent company, Red Apple Media. And it's due to uh, all the um, good uh, wishes and uh, follow-ups that have occurred from our many audience listeners all over the nation who can hear it on the WABC app, the download on their smartphone, iPhone, and on the streaming audio of their laptop or worktop computer. 
Let's go, Nancy, to Marlene, who's calling from Ohio. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Hour at WABC, Marlene. Hi. Um, I have a, I've had several um, pet cats, but uh, recently I found a kitten in a wooded area by my home, and I'm trying to bring him in and adopt him. Uh, my prob- I have a couple concerns because all my other cats, I've gotten from rescues. Um, one problem is this eating thing. Is that normal that these cats just want to keep eating and eating? I mean, I can't even, like, make his food and put it in a dish, and he's jumping all over. Nancy? Yeah, so my experience when that happens is um, that usually ha- uh, has been indicative of having worms um, you know, which is, you know, fairly common if a cat is living outdoors. They're just, it's like, uh, you know, getting a, an infection. And unfortunately, the worms, because they get into their system, every time they're eating food, the worms are actually eating them. So they, they never feel like they're, they're filled up and satisfied. So that would be my initial guess, that that's probably what's going on, which, which means, you know, in general, you, you would just have to get um, dewormer for the cat. But I would say that's fairly typical for a cat that's been outdoors, and that would certainly explain that behavior. So that would mean putting the dewormer into the food as they consume it. Yeah, I mean, yes. Again, because, you know, when I've brought, um, you know, cats to the vet before, and obviously when they're in front of them and they can sort of confirm that that's what's happening because there's testing they can do just to make sure. But usually it's fairly easy to spot. And, and actually, you can even sometimes spot it, believe it or not, by looking in the litter box because... If you see whatever's going on, there there might be living active worms going on, so you can see that. Um, but again, like to that point, the dewormer will make sure that that thing is knocked out, but that completely explains why a cat will keep eating and eating and not seem to be filled up. Our number is one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Let's go to Robin in Riverhead. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Robert. Hi, Curtis and Nancy. Australia has maybe the worst record when it comes to wildlife and uh, companion animal management. For example, uh, many years ago when they first took over Australia and it became a colony, they introduced rabbits for sport hunting. Well, once these rabbits were out in the wild without predators, the population grew out of control. Within a short time, there were millions of rabbits all over the place, and they could not get rid of them. Yep. No, no, no. Uh, Australia, you're exactly right. And yet, they also have the extreme, Robert, in uh, having spent time in Australia on the East Coast, going from Sydney to Melbourne to Brisbane up the Gold Coast, Uh, They don't have super highways like we do. Uh, So if all of a sudden you're out on a a normal kind of a highway run, uh, if a wombat comes out on the road or a kangaroo or a a koala bear, uh, they are species that are protected species. All traffic comes to a halt, Nancy. I mean, it's like in India when a cow would meander out into the road, all traffic comes to a halt. So they're extremes. They take good care of those uh, species uh, that are unique to Austria, like the wombats, like the kangaroos, like the koala bears. 
But then when it comes to all the other animals, they're more than happy to uh, slaughter them. It just, yeah, I mean, it's just it, a country yeah. of extremes. Yeah, I mean, and again, a, a lot of these um, sort of official positions on trying to maintain more or less what is wild populations of animals, you know, sadly, it's like most other things, you have to just follow the money. Like, who's making the recommendation? Why are they saying something makes sense? I mean, if there are, I mean, like, obviously, there's a lot of animals that have been introduced into areas for certain reasons, like, you know, to the point of like, oh, we want to hunt them, we want to do something with them. And then they become very, uh, you know, like able to be catered to the environment. So now they're considered invasive, they're a predator because they do well in the environment. Well, I mean, again, if you're sort of a, a student of biology and science, well, maybe that's the animal that's meant to succeed because it can survive in the, the face of all these obstacles. So, you know, the idea of trying to insert, uh, you know, official thoughts into these things, like I understand you don't want species to, but maybe that's where you need to conserve more open space and not really be concerned about taking animals out. Our number is one 800 Let's go to David in Bay Ridge. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Hour at WABC, David. Hey, hi. I love you. I, I love you, Curtis, and I hope you you run for mayor again and win. Look, we've got a, a, a real jerk in my apartment building who owns a dog. He goes out to work, and the dog barks for hours and hours and hours. The dog is distressed. And it drives the tenants crazy. It drives me crazy. Um, there are there are other times he leaves the building and the dog doesn't bark. It it, it feels like maybe he, there's things that he can do that he can employ to stop the dog from barking. Maybe he gives it a comfort blanket or something like that. But this has been going on for two years, and the dog, the poor little thing is going crazy. It digs its paws into the floor. The super has reported that the the floor is torn up because of, you know, the paws. I mean, this is just cruelty. And we've tried calling 311 over 30 times, and this is no joke because we have the, you know, the, the confirmation numbers. Is But nothing has been done. Is there anything that can be done to help this dog and to I mean, you know, this is just a crazy situation. Is there anything you could do? Nancy? I mean, yeah, so obviously in those situations, I mean, we've encountered so many um, similar instances, sadly, where as much as you're reaching out to, um, you know, authorities that you think can be of assistance, and everyone's on board with wanting to help the animal, um, Unfortunately, because the laws aren't really working in favor of helping the life of the animal, what I've found is the only way to be successful is really putting pressure on this person somehow. So whether it's that people are getting together, whether it's that this person's being pressured to give this animal up, like if you make their life difficult, like I don't think they're so invested in harming the animal, but if you mess up their day, that will be a problem. So it's like, unfortunately, you have to work a little bit outside the realm of normalcy, but probably just, you know, if you have people stationed outside, you say, look, I want this dog, I want this dog. Every single day, people are annoying this person. You know, something that makes their daily routine disruptive, 
because usually they, they could care less about the animal. So I think that's probably the best approach. Let's go to Sherry and Yonkers. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Sherry. Hi, thank you. Um, I've been trying to email Nancy for a while, but I guess I have the wrong email. It keeps bouncing back. Two years ago, I rescued uh, from an animal shelter an eight-year-old German Shepherd. Um, Beautiful dog. I love her. We're both seniors, but she's limping terribly now. And um, with inflation and all the bills increasing, I don't know where to go to get her help for diagnosis, x-rays, hopefully not a surgery. Don't know what to do. Help. Okay, yeah, so I would say one thing I know in terms of um, uh, some of the, I mean, I'm I'm not super familiar with the breeds of dogs, but I know that uh, mm-hmm. certain of the dog breeds, um, uh, especially German Shepherds too, that is um, fairly typical for them to have a lot of the joint issues the older they get. There are some uh, vitamins and supplements that are good for their joints. It's almost like similar with people like, um, like Ginkgo Bilboa, but like to your point, um, you know, obviously, like, you know, reaching out to local places, you can reach out, you know, I can try to help you put put you in touch with someone, but that would be my sort of guess. Like, if you do stuff a little more holistically, because joint issues is definitely something that's very common, and I know that breed of dog, so uh, avoiding things like surgery and, and probably getting the normal diagnosis that it has, um, you know, like hip dysplasia, things of that nature. Now, to whatever extent, obviously, I would suggest going to any place that can give you that initial diagnosis, but you know I think there are some nice um, organic things out there that really help a lot of these um, dogs because there are unfortunately some of the breeds like um, Dalmatians and like Great Danes, like the larger breeds that have a lot of these issues when they get older. Um, but yeah, I'd be more than happy to try to um, put you in touch with people if you if you leave your contact information. But I would say a lot of organic stuff is available as well. Now, also, a lot of people have commented on your email address. You've changed that, right? Uh, can you uh, give it out to uh, the folks now? Yeah, yeah. So I would say, I mean, uh, definitely reaching out to me on, on Twitter is good. Uh, Nancy Sliwa Esquire, um, you know, reaching out to WBC is good. But, yeah, I, I, I'm actually, right now we're redoing the website. So this way, hopefully it won't bounce back um, these emails because I've noticed a lot of this stuff um, when we get the email bounce backs, but that should be rectified soon. But for the time being, um, you know, reaching out to WABC or uh, me on Twitter, Nancy Sliwa Esquire. We'll stay uh, on the line, Sherry, if you can. Uh, get Sherry's uh, information, uh, and uh, I'll make sure that I bring it to you. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. The Curtis Sliwa Show presents Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. Now, with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa. As we make our way towards the beginning of the year, you should know this program will be nationally syndicated uh, once uh, the new year begins uh, with uh, Nancy sharing her expertise with so many of you on a wide range of animal issues. Uh, Please... uh, and feel free always to reach out, as Nancy said. We're setting up a special 
a website specifically to tend to the needs of our many listeners and the many new ones that we anticipate will joining us, be joining us from across the country. Let's go to David in the Bronx. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Edition of WABC. Dave? Yes. Uh, hi. Hey, Curtis, listen, I want to call to thank you for your help in uh, the problem we had out here in the Bronx, in the Fordham area of the Bronx with the cat shelter. It was, it was, a, it was a cat uh, colony, rather. It would eat about 10 or 15 of these cats. They've been living there for a long time. And the, uh, the guy who owned the, the lot that they were living on, it's a vacant lot. It's all overgrown and stuff. This guy was giving them a hard time. He was trying to get rid of them. He was uh, putting up barbed wire and everything. Well, my nephew spoke to you at length on the phone some months ago, and apparently you came through like a pro, like the guy you are. And it's fantastic now. The cats are free to get in and out of it. There's a nice hole cut in the fence, and they have literally even little cat, I swear to God, cat houses, like little cat shelters. They're, they're boxes with uh, plastic bags, like a, bl- a black plastic bag wrapped around so the cats can go in there when it rains. And it's much better. The cats came back. They, yeah. were, they, were, they, were, they were running away from the place because it was impossible to get, get uh, anything uh, safe in there. Well, but we now were, they were all coming back. We worked, uh, we worked as a team, David. Nancy uh, came up with the cat houses, the plastic uh, boxes that you described being covered by the uh, plastic garbage bags to make uh, the cats safe and secure, particularly uh, as feral cats outdoors on a night like this leading into the morning where we may end up with five inches of rain and uh, winds uh, going uh, anywhere from 30 to 40 miles an hour. And to be quite honest with you, David, I had a come-to-Jesus meeting with the owner of that property. Um I warned him that if you want me living on this block, you uh, you, you continue to abuse these cats. And he just didn't want me in his face any longer. So he made it easy for people to take care of those feral cats. And it's in that area, I know it well. The rat problem was intense by having those feral cats. You will have far less uh, rats and far less mice, David. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Curtis, and, and thank your wife. Your wife is also, Nancy's wonderful. Yeah, God bless you both. Yep, well, that's what we do. We don't just talk about these problems. Uh, we actually engage all of you. We'll visit your areas. Uh, we'll try to impart our expertise, and if necessary. I mean, and, and this is what's so important about having actual you know, protection for people who are taking care of the outdoor cats. Like, there's nothing that's problematic to allowing them to continue to live where they are. Most of the people who are reaching out in the first place, they're already doing all of the legwork. They've you know, had, had the cats spayed and neutered. They've had the uh, vaccinations, the shots. They're feeding them every day. They're taking care of them. So, again, that, that level of volunteerism and genuine care that exists in New York City for people who want to make sure that these cats are cared for to allow them to just do that. That's it. We're just allowing them to keep doing their good will actions. Like it just seems so obvious and pragmatic, but yet that's sometimes what you have to do. You have to reach out and almost threaten people to just have them do the right thing. Exactly. And, uh, as you know, Nancy, I don't mind giving somebody else a piece of my mind if they're not going to take care of the animals <laughs> in their community. That's true. That's true. 
Uh, we can't describe the kind of conversations that I had, if, but just let's say they're extraordinarily effective. Let's go to Tony in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Tone. How you doing, Curtis and Nancy? Uh, I was want to talk about the dog in the apartment. I, I think if uh, what's going on with the dog is he's probably got a lot of anxiety when the owner leaves, and maybe if they got another dog for the for the, the dog that's alone, because we did that in our house. We had one dog, and and it was always crying and giving us a hard time. Then we got two more dogs, and it was no problem after that. They, you know, and, and you have a lot of dogs at shelters. Maybe by encouraging people to get a second dog to be a companion to the for, for the lonely dog, it could stop a lot of the problems, especially in that apartment building. I, I don't see why they don't go and talk to this gentleman who, who owns this this uh, dog and and see if they could work something out. What do you think? You know what? Okay, that first of all, that's such a great concept because that's absolutely what should be happening. Like people should sort of have that sort of open discussion. I think a lot of the times what I've encountered with people is before you even start to have the conversation, they're presuming you're sort of coming at them with a certain level of attitude as opposed to, no, we're on the same level. We just want to have a conversation. So to that point, if the dog's barking, maybe it's, okay, people are annoyed, but the legitimate answer is, oh, during the day they're missing their owners and having a companion animal. So there definitely is that opportunity to just talk to people on that level. And you're right, that should be like the the first point of action because you're right, I think a lot of people get scared and afraid, like, oh, I don't want to come yelling at the person, but maybe they can just, you know, sort of uh, bring like that – you know, olive branch and say, oh, you know, have you ever thought about getting another dog? I think your dog sounds lonely during the day. Like, it's less aggressive. Let's go to Eric, who's calling from Monroe. Welcome to the Animal Welfare Edition of WABC, Eric. Yeah, yeah. I, I want Oh, my gosh. Awesome. Um, what do you think of the uh, Hasidic community in Monroe? Well, the uh, Hasidic community, they they don't have animals. Uh, I've never really seen the Hasidim with dogs or cats. Uh, on occasion, yes, but um, not really a, a situation that involves uh, uh, maintenance of animals or cruelty to animals. Let's go to Andrea, who's calling from Westchester. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Andrea. Hi, thank you so much for being there. Um, I take care of feral cats in a a county park in Westchester, lower, lower Westchester. And um, I'm wondering how to keep the water warm outdoors for these feral cats because the water keeps on freezing up and the county won't give me access to any electricity. And um, so I'm just wondering how, how people take care of cats with the water. Outside. Okay, so I'll tell you what I do with the water. Um, Great. With, yeah, with the, like the using like I would use um, like the paper type of bowls or whatever type of thing. I use hand warmers, like the extra large ones that last for like eight hours or so. So if you put the water out like right when it starts, it yeah. actually will stay warm for eight to ten hours as long as it's right underneath. So like I'll double tray. Um, oh really? Like a, yeah, Just those simple yeah, so hand warmers like you buy in Home Depot. 
Yeah, exactly. So like one of those like super large ones that lasts for like 12 hours. So I'll I'll take like a plastic bowl or, or like rather a paper bowl. You put the water in that and then you like double, you know, bowl it. And then you put like the, the hand warmer in the second one underneath and then it'll oh. prevent freezing. So simple. Okay, yeah. I'm going to give that a try. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. That's what the Animal Welfare Hour is here for to give you assistance in the care and maintenance of uh, animals, your friends, your family members, whether they're outdoors or indoors. Again, it's special advisory uh, because the weather will be so inclement in our tri-state area, Nancy. High winds, maybe five inches of rain. What should people consider now uh, before it really gets so bad out there? Well, I mean, I would say, obviously, do you have anything where, you know, at this point, if you can permit any outdoor animals to shelter in place. So if you have a garage, you can open up a door, you can create a little bit more of an entryway for them to, you know, be comfortable. I mean, because obviously they're going to want to keep dry. So, I mean, yeah, and then if you can provide something additional, like a little bit of a box, a covering, uh, you know, that's always, you know, ideal. So, yeah, but make sure, you know, if you see them, like let them stay or, you know, try to give them a little, you know, extra space if you can. I think another uh, advice uh, that a lot of people don't necessarily know is that a lot of animals, not just cats, uh, but uh, raccoons, uh, other animals of the wild, will sometimes seek uh, protection by getting in underneath your undercarriage in a car that's maybe parked there, because obviously there's a sense of warmth, but it'll also keep them dry. And uh, no, if you're going to go out in the morning and start up your car, bang on the hood of your car a little bit, maybe beep the horn, uh, then uh, start your car, because you could end up do- be doing damage to animals who have sought sanctuary near the engine block. Yeah, no, and and to your point, that's correct, because right now in New York City, it's about 58 degrees, but there's going to be a a big dip in temperature, so tomorrow morning it could be closer to freezing temperature, so for sure, do that. Let's go to John in Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here in the Animal Welfare Hour of WABC. Yes, Curtis and Nancy, thank you. Um, I have a problem sometimes when I'm running in the park, just working out, and I'll get chased down by a dog. And I, when I find the owner, I, I shout at them. I said, are they safe? Are they, uh, is it okay? To, are they friendly? And the owner doesn't say anything. And the dog is barking and barking at you very aggressively. And I can't tell if he's just joking around or he's going to bite my ankle. And when you go up, to the, go up to the owner again, they say the same thing. And uh, a couple of times they have jumped on me. So I don't know how to handle this. If it, you, know, you can report the owner or what do you think? Nancy? You know what? Like, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So that's a, that's a very, I mean, like, that's a, a great, um, you know, sort of situation. I'm not sure how I would handle that myself because, you know, w- I don't go in the park where I'm seeing the dogs off leash, but when I'm walking through the streets and I, even I see a dog on leash and all of a sudden the dog starts sniffing me and the owner seems like okay with it, you know, I, I try to be a little bit you know, like sort of a, you know, not, not sort of aggressive. I don't want to freak them out. But, yeah, right. that, that to me is really out of control because, again, I understand, like, yeah, you want to give the, um, you know, like that's why the, the dog runs and the dog, but, like, those elements make sense because you don't want to approach an animal you don't know and be more familiar with them than you should be because you're not sure, 
But that's where right. I think it's irresponsible of, of owners to have them roaming about because, again, like you, you can't predict what their behavior is going to be irrespective because they never met the person. So, yeah, I, I mean, 100% I agree with you. I don't know what why people do that. I'm not sure to what extent, you know, you can really call people. I, so I'm not sure, like, I guess that would be more of a question for the public, <laughs> like what their encounters have been because that sounds extremely irresponsible to me. Let's go to Mario in Queens. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Mario. Hey, uh, Curtis, how are you, Curtis and Nancy? Hey, Curtis, I called you a couple of weeks back about rescuing some cats on uh, in Middle Village, and uh, I never got a response. Nobody ever came or nothing. There's an injured cat. I feed them all I can feed them, but I can't do no more. I mean, I, I, I was looking for some help. All I right, thought you were going to a guy to call. Well, yeah, well, yeah, uh, we've been backed up a bit, but stay on the line. Mario will get your information. And, uh, well, we've got a lot of friends out in Middle Village, Nancy. We've got uh, Bob Holden, a great animal lover, who is uh, the city councilman uh, of that area, Glendale and Massfith. And I'll see if his office uh, can try to give Mario uh, some help uh, with the uh, stray uh, cats that he's taking care of, the one that's injured. That's what we do. We can't be uh, all times uh, in all places to be with all people, but we certainly have a number of friends out there who are animal lovers who may be able to help uh, our many listeners. So, again, uh, this show will be nationally syndicated uh, in the beginning of the year. It means we take on more responsibilities to help more animals and to reach out to more of you uh, if, uh, Nancy, any folks in the interim would like to get in touch with you about animal-related issues, how can they do that? Well, you can go to guardianangels.org. Uh, um, also, you can uh, DM me on Twitter, Nancy Sliwa ESQ, or reach out to WBC directly, and, you know, we'll, 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 we'll get in t- back in touch with you. Definitely, and Mario, we will make sure that we prioritize your need. 